Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. And when kids are brought up in Sunday school or a Bible-believing church and in a Christian home, They definitely have an advantage. They have a blessing just in the home that they were born into. Uh, But sometimes they, uh, it's not that they take for granted. It's just that they're young children and they've known it and they've heard it their whole life. In other words, they know the answer that's expected. And so what the concern is for children and their salvation, their souls are precious. The concern is that we don't want them just having head knowledge. We don't want them just parroting back information that may be correct and get them to pass the test. We want them to come into a saving knowledge and a saving faith with the Lord Jesus Christ. So we need to be careful when dealing with children. We don't want to talk them into something that they don't want to do. and We don't want to talk them out of something that God has done in their life. So that's the balance that we need to have. And these conversations will help you as a parent or you as a grandparent be able to weed through the best that you can know where your child's heart's at. We, we, we can never know someone's heart for sure, but you want to help to try to guide your child or your grandchild. So Ephesians chapter two and verse number three, the Bible says, well, the question you can start with the child is why, why do you need to be saved? Oh, 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 daddy. Oh, mama, I want I want to be saved. OK, so start off that conversation with. All right. Why? Why do you want to be saved? And go to Ephesians chapter two and in verse three, it says, among whom also we had our conversation in time past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature the children of wrath. Now, that's a good verse because it says children and you're talking to children and we should be in Ephesians chapter 2 verse number 3 Ephesians 2 verse 3 children of wrath so why do you why do I have to be saved mama why do I have to be saved daddy well because you're a child of wrath what's wrath that's God's righteous anger and that's a pretty easy conversation to open up because I am sure that your children or grandchildren have seen you get angry. Was it righteous or was it unrighteous? Now you see how that can open up a whole conversation of you confessing to them how you've acted wrong before and how your anger has been misplaced and how you, you see, I can give them a clear picture now of, Hey, but you remember when you, you remember when paps had to sit you down and you remember when, Grandma had to sit you down and you remember how daddy had to sit you down and and I was angry and that was righteous because you had done wrong. So you can very easily open up, open up an age appropriate conversation right off Ephesians two, verse number three uh, and keying in on children of wrath. Why? Why? They say, oh, I, I want to be saved. Okay, why do you want to be saved? Hebrews nine, it says, as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. Why? Because you're under God's judgment. 
don't be afraid to talk to your children and your grandchildren about God's wrath, about God's judgment. Will help them to understand, or at least start to understand, their need for a Savior. Now, this is under the presupposition that your children are asking some questions and your child knows uh, what these words mean. It would be a little misplaced trying to have this conversation with a one-year-old, with a two-year-old, right? So, well, so, preacher, how do I know what age? Parents know what age. When the questions start coming in, grandparents know what age. You as the parent or the grandparent, you know where your child or your grandchild's at. I'm just trying to give you some questions to prod and open up the conversation and some scripture verses to go to so that you can start developing the conversation with them. But they're under God's judgment. They're under God's wrath. Talk to them about that. Uh, go to Romans chapter 5. Romans 5. Romans chapter number five. The Bible says in verse 12, Romans 5, 12. Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sin. Are you a sinner? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Why are you going to die? Because of sin. Who's going to die? Everybody. Why is everybody going to die? Because of sin. And just have that conversation. This is a real easy verse to go to. We all know Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death. And talk to them. You know how daddy goes to work. And at the end of that week, I have earned a wage. It is rightfully mine. You live your life. I live my life. We earn a wage. Death. And it's going to pay out. And then after death will be judgment. Well, is that fair? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Child gets chastened or corrected or disciplined for doing wrong, or the student or the grandchild or the employee gets chastened or corrected or disciplined for doing wrong. Well, that's not fair. No, it's completely fair. It's completely fair. God is a fair and just and righteous God. You would be the the lock the the laughing stock of the of the local. PTA, the Parent Teacher Association, if you were that parent or grandparent, just you just let your kids just go on and do whatever and, and never stop them to say, no, that's wrong. Here's a good question to ask them. And they say, well, you know you're a sinner? Oh, yeah. Why? Well, well the Bible says for all of sin. Okay, ask them. What is sin 
Don't give them all of the answers. Ask these questions. Allow them to answer. And then try to jump in there and help guide them. But the idea isn't to just spoon feed so they regurgitate back to you exactly what you want them to say. You want to help them wrestle through these things and just let them know. They should know coming away from it. Hey, mom and dad are going to be there to help me answer my questions. What is it? Transgression of the law. It's breaking of God's law. It'd be a good time to bring them back to Exodus. Why don't we go there? And ask them, do you think that you're a pretty good kid? Oh, yeah, I do. Do you think you're a pretty good kid in God's eyes? Well, yeah. Okay, well, let's see how you let's see how you do and go through Exodus chapter 20. Now, we all know these commands were given to the nation of Israel, but. Good night. You can look at all these and see that you have not lived up to God's holy standard. And look at verse number seven. Well, let's look at verse number three. We'll get the first one. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Let's flip over to verse number seven. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Look at verse 12. Honor thy father and thy mother. Look at verse 15. Thou shalt not steal. Pick some simple ones that they can understand and ask them. Have you ever stolen anything? Yeah. You, you know, you think as an adult, well, the thief is the guy that got caught and is on the news because you robbed the local bank. You, you think this world thinks, oh, no, a little child's innocent. They, they can't they can't steal, except when mom said, don't eat any of the cookies and mom left the room and you snuck one and mom will never know because there's a dozen of them there. And they're all in a little container. That's a simple illustration to bring out to a child to help them understand they are not as sweet and as innocent as they're putting themselves out to be. Quit it with the act. How many times have you said that as parents? Stop with the act. I know you did X, Y, or Z. Right? You ever lied? You just, you just told me you never stole a cookie. So you think. Honor your father and mother. Have you ever disobeyed it? Every child can relate to that. Has there ever been something in your life that's just so, so, so important and it's first place in your life and has nothing to do with God? That would be idolatry. That'd be a good place for parents or grandparents to park and say, hey, you know what? You remember when daddy had this in his life? And how it was, it's the only thing that consumed my thoughts. 
That was me living as an, an, an idolater. You might as well just fess up to them because if they don't know then, they're eventually going to find out. Dad and mom ain't as righteous as they are trying to put themselves out to be as parents either. So you might as well just have the conversation with them early on. Hey, look, moms can say, look, I, yeah, hey, you remember when I, and then fill in the blanks for them when you failed before God. Too many parents rely on the preacher or the Sunday school teacher to fill in all the blanks. And truth be told, yes, I am required and I am expected to open up the word of God and give you truth from the Bible. But you can't expect me to undo everything. You can't expect the Sunday school teacher to fix everything. All we are really supposed to do is come alongside the parent, come alongside the grandparent and confirm in that child's heart and that child's mind the things that you've already been teaching them and already have been talking to them and have already been questioning and having conversations with them so that they can get a you know a, a stamp of approval okay yeah yeah my, my dad's not so crazy mom knows what she's talking about so we gotta have these conversations allow them to see that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. We're so concerned, maybe we are not as Christians, but this world is so concerned with the child's self-esteem that they fail to help them see themselves as exceeding sinful. Are they cute? Yes. Do we love them? Yes. Do we want the best for them? We better have these conversations. We better have these conversations. All right, go to Matthew 25. Matthew 25. You can ask them. Or they may ask you. What is hell? Matthew 25, verse 41. The Bible says, then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, this is Jesus speaking, depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire. That's hell. Everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. That's a pretty clear cut explanation of what hell is. It's everlasting fire. Jesus said it was real and Jesus prepared it. Quite clearly for the devil and his angels. And that is an excellent verse as a launching pad to, to, to speak to them about the truth that God doesn't want any of us to go there. That's why he sent Jesus. That's why when we look at all the laws, I broke them, you broke them. But guess who didn't break them? Jesus. And you see how you can have these conversations. Now, so far we had, let's see, one, what is hell? What is sin? Why do you need to be saved? And why are you going to die? So far there were four conversations. 
I'm going to probably guess you can't have all four in the same night. Or they're going to go away with nothing. That's probably four separate conversations. So if my children would ask me or, or make statements to me, I would pick one question. And if they got it real quick and I felt like they had it, they really had it, I'd ask one more question. And if I saw them stumbling, I'd just park right there. And I said, I would give them a verse or I would talk them through the idea. And then I would say, I want you to sleep on that. You think about that. And then just, I'd let's leave them to wrestle with it and think about it. And I would wait for them to bring it up again. And if I felt I kind of lost it, lost the, the momentum of it, then I would bring it up. I'm not telling you this is the only way to do it. I'm just telling you as way of testimony, that's what I found to be helpful for me. And so consider that. Small, brief conversations that aren't 30-minute lectures. They're five minutes, 10 minutes of focusing on one thing and not trying to overwhelm them. Luke 16. If you don't tell them this, and if I don't tell you to tell them this, and if I don't tell them this, they will never ever in their life hear that hell is a real place and that sinners go there. They will never hear it in the public school system. They will never hear it on the news. They will never hear it from the secular music, nor from Hollywood movies. Never. You think that it should just be a given because you were brought up with that. Or you've been saved for two or three decades, and it's just old hat to you. Let me tell you the secret to teaching. There's three of them. You ready for these three? Write this down because this is deep theology. Secret number one, repetition. Secret number two, you ready for this? Repetition. And secret number three, repetition. You've got to go over this stuff over and over and over again, just like the secular school does for 12 years. You came from a monkey. You came from a monkey. You're an evolutionary byproduct. You All you are is... And they just repeat that mantra over and over. Luke 16. Look at verse number 23. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. This is a real account. Concerning a real person that went to a real place called hell. And he is really in torments to this day. And you know why he's not named? Because people that go there, their name gets blotted out. God doesn't even know their name anymore. Well, God knows everything. Not if you go to hell, he don't. 
You go to hell, he don't even know your name. You can cry out to him, Father, Daddy, Savior, whatever. And he's not going to even know who you are. You will be erased from his memory. It's an awful place to go. Now, depending on what age your child is at, depending on what level of maturity you think they can handle, open that conversation up. I would say for sure for someone that's 12 or up, for sure. And then you dial it down based on where your child's maturity level is, whether it's 11, 10, 9, 8, you can have that same conversation that, look, imagine calling out to me as your grandma. Imagine call, call, calling out to me as your grandpa. And I don't even ever, I don't ever answer you. You don't want to go to hell. And go through Luke 16. Let them know that's a real place. Let them know the school will not teach you this. And they got to get a hold of it. Because that's where sinners go. Um, but, you know, you can start at verse 19, a certain rich man, and read all the way down to the end of the chapter. And uh, that'd be great conversation to have with your child. Luke 16, all you got to do is read it. And have them fill in the blanks and read some verses with you. Now ask them. Do you think God. Ask it in this way. Do you think God should punish people. Uh, with hellfire. Because of their sin. And see what they say. If they say yes. Now ask it in a more personal way. Because if you, if you, should God punish people, people's, that's impersonal. Now make it personal. Do you think God would be righteous if he punished daddy or if he punished mama or her sin? And then make it even more personal. Do you think God would be a just God? Do you think he would be right in sentencing you? Ouch. Now that's personal. That's person. You've got to discern where their heart is at. You've got to discern what you think they're ready for. And if they're not ready for this, okay, dial it back, have the other conversations. But you eventually got to get to the point where you can speak to them honestly and openly about hell. So that they don't get a false conversion and just believe that God just loves everybody, which he does. And God is just forgiving, which he is. And God wants everybody to go to heaven, which he does. <laughs> and God is a merciful God, which he is. At the exclusion of, look, you're a sinner, hell's real. You're headed for hell because of your sin. You can't do one without the other. You have got to present the true character of God. You can't just show the coin as heads up. you got to show it as tails and heads so that you so that that child can start to see the true picture of who God is his character and then who they are before a holy righteous loving forgiving God and then you got to get to the cross this is how much God loves you you think God would be fair or unfair if he sent you to hell completely fair Go to your room. That's not fair. We as parents know that's going to be the first thing 
out of a child's mouth. As soon as they get disciplined, no parent has to teach their child how to talk back. Family devotions tonight. We're going to show you how to talk back so we as your parents can work on our correcting skills. It's, it's never set up like that. It's always, hey, let's have family devotions. We're going to teach you what the Bible says about talking back to your parents. You've got to teach them not to talk back. Why? Because as soon as you ask them, hey, clean your room. Hey, take out the trash. Hey, we need to tidy up. We just can't leave this stuff around. Well, why? I don't want to. It, 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 we, we all know how it goes. That's not fair. No, it's fair. And God is fair and just for sending sinners that reject who he is and the payment that he offers for their sin. He's just in sending you to a place where in, in, in many ways you can say sinners kind of want to go there anyway. Why, why do you say that? Because they don't want God. So why don't you just go where God isn't? So when children grow up and they're attracted to the bar, they're attracted to the nightclub scene, they're attracted to the worldly music, they're attracted to the Hollywood, they're attracted to the world's dress codes and the world's music codes and the world's language code and the world's blasphemous code against God. Is it any wonder we live in a society in which we live? Parents have got to take the authority back. Grandparents have got to say, you know what? Enough is enough. As for me and my house. And, and you have to do your due diligence in having these conversations. Go to John 3.16. Simple verse. As you turn in there, remember the Lord is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And John 3.16, what's the Bible say? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You can read verse 17 and 18 too. Don't be afraid to do that. And bring out the magnitude of God's love. Are you perishing? Yes. Are you a sinner? Yes. Is hell real? Yes. Is God fair in sending you there? Yes. Let me show you how much God loves you. And see if they can't get a picture of the love of God. One of the best pictures they can get, and not every child has this opportunity, is the love that they receive from their parents or from their grandparents. It'd be real difficult to share this verse with someone who doesn't have a dad or someone who doesn't have a mom or someone that has a dad or a mom that treated them abusively and harshly. And you say, God, your heavenly father loves you and he died for your sins. And you, and you share John 3.16, you know, God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. And they're thinking, well, I father, I'm his son. And father down here certainly condemned me. 
God so loved the world. Well, my heavenly father sure didn't love me. It's going to be really, really hard for them to connect the dots on their heavenly father loving them when their father down here hasn't loved them. Their mother down here has abandoned them. Children that are born into a Christian home have such an advantage because they don't have all of those other battles going on internally with them. You have got to bring out the magnitude of God's love. And if you ever are dealing with a child that has a horrible situation, you've got to point out their heavenly father will love them like no one else has ever loved them. And have that conversation. Because they need to know that God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. All right, John 3, in the beginning of the chapter, look at verse 7. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Go right to that verse and ask them, what does that mean? I mean, because you're already born, you're here, we're having this conversation. Ask them, what does that verse mean? What does it mean to be born again? And if they can't answer it, park on there for the night. Talk them through it. Explain that to them. Here's a big one. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Second Corinthians chapter number seven, ask them. It's a big word. What is repentance? Second Corinthians chapter seven, verse number 10, the Bible says, for godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. So there's a way to repent that you don't have to repent of. Uh, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. Uh, there's a repentance that you do need to repent of. That's just being sorry because you got caught. And if that's the repentance you have, if that's the sorrow you have, then you need to repent of that. You want true godly sorrow, true godly repentance, and you don't have to repent of that. That's what we're going for. So how do you break that down? How do you have that conversation? You ask them, have you ever gotten in trouble for something? Oh, yeah, I have. Remember last week? Oh, I remember last week. I was there. Yeah, sure. You got in trouble for it. And... Um, at the end of it, you said you were sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why were you sorry? Because I got caught. <laughs> Tell me that doesn't happen a lot. You know why the child was sorry? Because dad came home and found out. <laughs> That's why. That is a sorrow that has to be repented of. You must have the conversation, not only about hell, not only about God's love, but you've got to have the conversation about repentance. You say that's a long word. That's why you've got to have the conversation. You send them to school. They take English so they can learn new words and they get smarter. Do the same thing. Have the conversation. Now, I was taught that repentance growing up, I was taught that it was penance. 
you do penance. You do wrong. You go to, you go, you know, they have like a little room, kind of like right back where the track room is, where you would go back and you would confess your sins to a priest. He was the holy man of God that I was told had the power to take my sins up to God. And as he's doing that, I was to go sit out in the pew and flip some beads and say about 10 Hail Marys and 20 Our Fathers. And depending on how bad I was, that could take a while. So I was taught to do works. To, it was called penance. And then that priest would offer up my sins to God. And that is not how to have your sins forgiven. That is a way for the priest to have all the dirty deeds on you. You can't do anything for you. Repentance is not reformation. Some are taught that true repentance will be you reforming your life. Now, certainly after we get saved, there's some cleaning, house cleaning, if you will. We're going to reform the way that we used to live. But that is only done because now we have the indwelt Holy Spirit. So, yes, we do repent even now as saved people. But it's not to salvation. It's from a sin or from something we did in our life where we're trying to make better our relationship with our Lord. So that it is sweet fellowship. It has nothing to do with our standing before the Lord. It's just our current state right now. The relationship is a, is a bit icky. So they need to understand that, look, mom and dad love you. You will always be our son. You will always be our daughter. You will always be our grandchild, whatever it is. That will never change, no matter what stupid stuff you do, <laughs> no matter how many sins you do, no matter how far you go deep into the world and deep into the sin, into sin, there's one thing that will never, ever change. You will be my granddaughter. You will be my son. That is not going to change. But you know what is going to change? If you want to live like that, our relationship is going to be real bad. You're going to be going one way. I'm going to be going another way. And God does not want that for his children. Just like any parent or grandparent doesn't want that for their kids or grandkids. So let them get a hold of what repentance is. It's not penance. It's not, hey, reform your life. And when you're good enough, you can present yourself to God. As if you're going to ever do enough reformation. And what we said in the beginning. You've got to draw out that they understand. It's not just, hey, I'm sorry because I got caught. It's a change of mind about who God is. It's a turning from unbelief to belief. It's a turning to God. It's a turning toward God. We did. Uh, I think about two or three lessons on repentance. You can search on the on the website and find those. Um, 
but the turning toward God, that's the direction that they're going. The turning to God is that's the destination. Both of them are in the Bible. You have to turn toward God going in that direction. And you have to turn to God, which is you get to that destination. The direction and the destination are the distinction between to and toward. And they have to realize that they're perishing. And they will turn toward and they will turn to. And they have to know, just like that prodigal son, that father received him with open arms, gladly. Never turn a child away. Never, ever turn a child away when you see their heart pricked with humility and repentance and sorrow. Well, it's not good. It's not right. Sorry. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You've done it not right. Never turn a child away if they show a hint of any type of turning or repentance or sorrow, whatever you want to call it at this point. You need to make sure your arms are open and your heart is open to receive them. Or else you are not going to be able to share with them for as many as received him to them gave you power to become the sons of God. You're never going to be able to share them for by grace are you saved through faith is a gift. Not You'll never be able to share those verses without sounding hypocritical because you weren't ready to hear them or receive them or listen to them or let them ramble on like they've listened, like they've listened to you ramble on. Make sense? Make sense? Okay. Uh, go to James chapter number two. James chapter number two. And then we'll finish with this verse and be done. And we'll get to grace. We'll talk about that next week. But James chapter number two, I'll make one last comment on repentance. James chapter two, verse number 19. The Bible says in James two nineteen, thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. Even the devils aren't atheists. We don't want our children to grow up having the same religion as the devil. They believe in God, except the difference between the devils mentioned here and this world full of youth gone wild and rebellious young adult living is the devils tremble. It seems nowadays there's young people they have no fear at all, no healthy reverence for God at all. It, it's not there. It's not there as a culture. I'm not saying you can't go to a college campus and find someone who's ready to receive. What I'm saying as a culture, the 40s are over. <laughs> the 50s are over with this idea where you can talk to somebody and they're as lost as they can be but they still tremble about the mention of God and his holiness. There's still a respect of, okay, there's a creator. It's all but gone now. I'm my own God. I'll build my own spaceship. I'll get to my own planet. I'll build my own civilization out there. I'll create my own way of doing everything. And I've got so much money that I don't need God. You know how much money people can make down here? you know how many things they can do with that money? Do you know how many opportunities it is for young people to go to a college campus and learn 
or to take a course on business and learn or get around some really highly successful. I'm not talking about multimillionaires. I'm talking about multi-billionaires and shadow them for a decade and learn how to. You really think they're going to think that they need God? They've got everything. Because of that, because we've got everything, there's no fear of God. There's no fear of God. So make sure that they don't have the same religion as the devil where they just believe. That's what the devil. All right. Next week, uh, next lesson we do on Sunday school, we'll do on grace and how to talk through that with kids because they got to understand grace. All right, let's pray. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.